right. Hello, hello, hello. What's up, everybody? To the fourth edition of Fantasy Owl. My name is Nabate Owl. It's always a pleasure to uh, be presenting and talking with wonderful individuals on this wonderful platform of windailysports.com. Make sure to check them out when it comes to fantasy sports and sports betting. My pleasure to introduce a legend in the game of basketball and also just a legend in life in general. Like he's, he's done so much for not just the game on the court, but off the court as well, doing a lot of charitable efforts and everything like that throughout his life. 12 time NBA all-star rookie of the year, 1966, 36.3 points in the NBA finals is the highest mark in NBA history. And we're getting close to the NBA finals as well. One of the NBA's top 50 players. It is my pleasure to introduce the one and only Mr. Rick, Barry Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, too. How are you, sir? <laughs> well, thank you, Nabate. Uh, yeah, just to correct it, I was uh, four times ABA, eight times NBA, and so that was kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, you take enough shots, you can score enough points. And here's the one thing. Everybody always says, oh, and he was rookie of the year. You know, that was nice and was a nice honor, but I was first-team All-Pro as a rookie, which is just a little bit bigger an honor. Not many guys have done that, and I'm, I'm very proud of having accomplished that. But it's not about individual honors. It's uh, it's really about championships. I mean, you want to be on mm. fortunate enough to be on championship teams, and I was lucky enough to be on one in the ABA and one in the NBA. So uh, that's something that not many guys can say, especially when you start looking at the domination of the Boston Celtics and the Lakers and the other mm. teams. That eliminated a whole lot of guys from a lot of teams. So a lot of guys have multiple championships. And you know what I'm always interested in, Debate, when you talk uh -huh. about stuff and people want to talk about the greatest of all time and all. First of all, in basketball, whenever you hear somebody say that, it's a ridiculous conversation to have. There's no such thing as the GOAT in a team sport. It's the best at each position. And now you can have a really meaningful conversation and discussion about who you mm. think is the best at those positions. So uh, that's something. And the other thing is, is when they start rating people and putting them in certain places, they're giving all this extra credit that, well, how many championship teams are you on? What the hell does that have to do with how good a player you were? That has to do with how good are the teammates that you have. Thank if you're lucky you. enough to be on a team with good teammates and you're a great player, you're going to win a bunch of championships. But if you're on a team that has lousy players, you're not winning any championships. So does that diminish your ability as a player? I don't think so. Right. And dig that. And, and Rick, we're going to delve deep into that with the whole thing about super teams and players not wanting to team up or whatever. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but I want to ask you, tell everyone about your Warriors 24 podcast and, and how great it is and informative it is for sure. It's well, really a great I listen. I just kind of do it when I feel like it's Cyrus Satchez, who used to be a producer for me when I worked for KMBR radio for a number of years in San Francisco, called me up and said, would you like to do it? I said, yeah, as long as it's not something that's going to tie me down every single day and what have you. So um, we kind of do it at our leisure. Um, unfortunately, you know, the Warriors were not a great team to talk about when we started last year. <laughs> the topic wasn't very good because they went from the penthouse to the outhouse last year, the season before. And then, of course, you have COVID and all the craziness going on. And so we yeah. talked. And, and focus in a little bit on the words, but we really talk about basketball in general and everything that's going on. And and I just give my my normal, brutal, honest opinion about things, which my wife said she loves my honesty, but my brutality has to be removed. And I am brutally honest about things. But, you know, it's not my problem. It's the problem of people hearing what I have to say that have to deal with it. And the only thing I ask is, hey, you don't have to you don't have to like what I say. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't have to agree with what I say, but you don't yeah. have to be mad at me. Because I'm entitled to my opinion, just like you're entitled to yours. And I'm right. not mad at you because you have a different opinion. Even though I may totally 100% disagree with your opinion, you're entitled to it. True, true. And that's the thing. And also that honesty shows that you care. 
You know well, what I mean? I love basketball. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a part of, of the, my life and my family's life, and it's provided an amazing lifestyle for for all of us. Unfortunately, I was born a little too early, and I missed out on those three extra zeros and never heard the word million in my contract negotiations. And when you think about the fact that the lowest paid guy in the NBA this season, the guy that never plays at all, counting NBA properties money they get, will probably make twice as much money as I made in the best year I ever had, and he never plays. Wow. That's <laughs> a different world. But I wouldn't change it for anything. I had just an amazing life and have so many incredible memories. And mm -hmm. you know, people always ask me, would you change anything? I said, well, I don't live in the past. But if mm -hmm. I could change anything, if I knew that I could be where I am today with the amazing wife that I have, with the incredible young son, Canyon, to mm -hmm. you know, go along with my other boys and uh, my family, and, and I could have my wife and my friends and be where I am today, I would never leave, have left the NBA. Mm, no, that's real. That's real. Wow. Here with the great Rick Barry, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, one of the top 50 players in the history of the National Basketball Association. So, Rick, now the NBA playoffs. Which team, we have eight teams left now, we're in the conference semifinal round. Which team is going to be, is going to emerge on top? You know, because it's pretty wide open. Yeah, it, it's, it's not like anybody's been dominant throughout the course of the season. and But it's very difficult to go against the amazing talent that they have in the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they just have so much talent on that team. Um, and so they're more than likely going to come out, I think. It's, look what they've done. They just embarrassed and humiliated you know, Milwaukee the other night. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. So they're going to be very difficult to beat. Uh, in the West, it's a little bit more of a, of a crapshoot. Um, who knows what's really going to happen? I mean, I think the biggest surprise – in the season, bar none, nothing even reasonably close to it, has been the Phoenix Suns. Ooh, yeah. yeah. What the Phoenix Suns have done, and to get where they are right now, and and they had an opportunity to to win the game, just the uh, you know, to, I mean, to continue to win games. I mean, they're, they're just surprising people tremendous, tremendously. You know what they've done to Denver so far, uh, but it's all because I think of the addition of CP3. I, I really, you can't put enough value on someone with experience who's a great basketball player who can be a, a, in a leadership role. And certainly as a point guard, you can take that responsibility because you have the ball in your hands. Mm -hmm. And he played, a, he played a fabulous game the other night. And yeah, he's, he's fun to watch. And that's the biggest surprise for me. Um, I think that Utah is a team that plays the game the way I like it to be played. Mm -hmm. uh, not ton of one-on-one -on -one stuff, although a lot of teams do a lot of one-on-one -on -one and rely on their great players. But you can always – that's just kind of like the, the Bulls teams with Michael. They ran offense and they did a lot of things. And then if you didn't get something, you give the ball to Michael with five seconds to go and you say, do something for me. Well, there's a lot of guys in the league that do that kind of thing now. And so you can certainly rely on that. But it's not the way I think the game should be played. Um, the, the Nets, I don't know. Maybe if Harden is really hurt and can't come back and play for them, that might be a factor because he was playing exceptionally well. And yes. kudos to him for changing his game from what mm -hmm. he was doing down in Houston where it was a total domination of the basketball. He became mm -hmm. so much more of a team player, and I really admire that, and it just shows the kind of talent that this man has. He's an incredible player, one of the most explosive and incredible offensive players that I've ever seen. He, he just does some amazing things, a bit erratic with his three point shooting, however, at times, and that would be the one little flaw in his game, but he did a great job. But if he's not back, then I think that diminishes the chances of, of Brooklyn perhaps going on and, uh, and winning. Although 
they do have a heck of a guy to replace them to play the point guard role and have the ball in his hands. <laughs> Kyrie Irving isn't exactly chump change, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. For sure. And then Joe Harris from the perimeter is oh, yeah. at a high and, level, you know. KD. And well, in KD, who's totally <laughs> completely in. Indif- I mean, he's, he, he's indefensible. You can't defend him. I mean, you put a small guy on him, he can shoot over. And you have a big guy on him, he goes around him. I, I mean, there's never been a player like him with his size. I have a picture when they won the champ- first championship they won when he joined them. 18. Uh, 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm there standing with him. He has his um, most valuable player trophy. He dwarfs me. You know, <laughs> I mean, he makes me look small. I mean, he's seven feet tall. The guy is, he's, he's an amazing player. He really is. And he's become, he became a better basketball player by being traded to the Warriors because, and the Warriors team, the way they played the game, he passed, he moved. He was never a facilitator. He's so yeah. much better as a facilitator now and doing so many other things better than he did when he was back at Oklahoma City. So credit to him for taking his game to another level. Well, no doubt. And Rick, it was interesting. Two things I want to say. Uh, with Harden, like Harden, the thing, I think it was more like the coaching. Like Harden is very coachable because he's done everything like D'Antoni has asked of him. You know, Scott Brooks have asked of him and everything like that. And and that makes him so versatile. And it's really funny. I remember Chris Paul and James Harden. You never know. You could have the Suns and the Nets facing each other in the finals, you know. And then- that... That game that they had, it was very interesting. In Phoenix, when the Nets came back and won that game, Chris Paul was out of his element trying to go tit for tat with Harden on the scoring sense, you know? So Paul was taking all the shots, being in isolation, but then Harden was making the plays, the right play, being smarter. That was very interesting, that game, you know, right there. So, yeah. Well, definitely. the thing is, is that it's not how you played at the beginning of the season, it's how you're playing in the playoffs. So. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and, and that's the thing where teams get into trouble. I think that's where the Warriors got in trouble. When you mm-hmm. play team basketball and you're passing, moving, cutting the ball, and all of a sudden you start to rely on one guy to do a lot of stuff one-on-one. If he's not on his game, you're going to have problems. And that happened to the Warriors a bunch when KD was there. They relied on him a little bit too much. They stopped the passing, cutting, moving, getting something out of the defensive mistakes that happened. Because my dad always told me when I was growing up, he was a semi-play pro player and coach. Son, the more decisions you force the defense to make, the more the likelihood they're going to make a mistake. And if you know the game, you'll capitalize on those mistakes and you'll get easier mm. passes than you would if you ran a play to its fruition. And it's rare that a play that's designed and run to its fruition actually comes out and, and plays out the way that you want it to play. There's other things that happen and you have to be intelligent enough and have recognition to be able to see when something has happened that gives you another opportunity and you need to capitalize on that opportunity. No question. And, and Rick, now we, you said about positions, the best player by positions. Is KD the best three? Is he over LeBron now as the best three in the league? I, I, I think his overall game, uh, not, as, not as good as, as LeBron at being able to facilitate and really play a little bit of point guard and, and, and get the assist and do those things. I don't think he's as good a passer and facilitator. But, and he's not as powerful, obviously. <laughs> Just look at the bill. You can see the difference there. But as far as, you know, he's a better shooter than LeBron by far. I mean, there's no even comparison to how much better a shooter he is. Um, and he can finish and do the other things. I, I I just think he's he's someone that I if I had to guard somebody, I'd rather guard LeBron than guard KD. Let's just put it that way. Mm, interesting. Well, here with the great Rick Barry on Win Daily Sports Fantasy Owls, starring Nabate Owls, and a uh, pleasure to have Rick on. And, and Rick, now I wanted to ask you about um, now 
yeah, you know, the whole gambling betting thing, like, um, what do you think of like um, sports betting and how it's being incorporated into more broadcasts and viewership? What is your take on that and how it's evolving the whole gambling game? Well, it's all about money when it comes down to it. If there's a way to generate more income and more money, they're going to look into it. Um, you know, I, I mean, people gamble on everything anytime anyway. So what difference does it really make? I mean, I know the concern that they have is they didn't want to have them trying to get to the players, but I think that's, the chances of that ha- ever happening are so remote because the players make so much money now. What are you going to offer a guy? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the guys that have the, a real impact on the outcome of games are guys that are making multi millions of dollars. So, what are you going to offer him that he would jeopardize that to try to make a few extra million dollars when his life is set already? So, I, I don't think that's the same kind of worry that it was back in in days of of yore when when they had guys and they would try to get him some money because they really weren't making very much money. So, I don't think it's an issue. And and just as long as the players don't get involved in putting bets on the game, I think that, that's fine. That is a great point. That's a great point. And and sir, now speaking of the Nets being a super team, basically, um, what is your take on players that come together to win a championship compared to a player like a Damian Lillard that says that no, I want to be able to lead a team and stay with that team and build a team around me with the Portland Trailblazers? What is your take? With who? would you side from that set, that mentality of approaching winning a championship side with both that's your life do whatever the hell you want you know you <laughs> want to stay with the team and you think they're going to build it and you're happy to be there and you're enjoying the experience then that's what you should do if you're not happy and as a lot of players weren't and they didn't see an opportunity to become a champion and they want to go someplace to be a champion. That's what it's all about on the professional level, isn't it? I mean, you're trying to become a champion. So you're already making enough money. The money is is, is not even a factor. So if you feel that you have a chance to go somewhere, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I respect it because that means the guy is more, he cares more about being a champion than he does about putting more money in his pocket. Mm. Or putting up more numbers. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, if you go to do it, here's the thing. When you go to a team, you should be willing to do whatever it is is required for you to help that team become a champion. If it means sacrificing a part of your game and doing something the coach wants you to do, then you should be doing that because that's what your job is. You're, you're an employee. Mm-hmm. Your job is to do what your boss tells you to do. The coach is the boss. If the boss says, here's what I need you to do to help us become a better team, it's your responsibility to do that. Mm-hmm. No, that's deep. That's deep. And, and Rick wanted to ask you. What's your your best playoff game in your luster's career? Because you have the highest NBA Finals average, thirty five point six a game. Like what? What's that game that you look back to this day saying like, "Ooh, I was a great one." <laughs> the thing I remember most is the one that I sucked. Uh, game seven, Western Conference Finals. It just shows you why basketball is a team game. If it were not for my teammates, we never get to the finals. I had screwed up and didn't find out what a shot clock was once. It cost us a game in the Chicago series. So now we're back home playing in game seven. It should have been over because I, I blew the game. Against and the so Phoenix, Sun, Phoenix Suns. No, no, mm-hmm. against the Chicago Bulls. Oh, the, the oh that, that series. I'm sorry. I'm that sorry. series mm-hmm. when we went and we won the championship mm-hmm. back in 75. And so huh, I'm like, I, I think I was something like two or three for 12 or 30. I was horrible. I was just, I couldn't put it in the ocean. I was terrible. Al Adels had the, the good sense that he took me out of the game midway through the third quarter. Think about how many coaches would take their best player out of the mm-hmm. game in the seventh game of the Western conference finals and put him on the bench for an extended period of time, which he did. And my teammates held Chicago scoreless for seven and a half minutes. They helped get us back into the game. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't go back in at the start of the fourth quarter because they were doing such a good job. He left me. On, I was ready to go, but he, he, I stayed on the bench for a significant number of minutes into the fourth quarter as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about that. That's, that was an incredible move on his part. I told him it's one of the best coaching moves he ever made in his life. <laughs> and, uh, and so then I got back in the game. Unfortunately, I played really well. I think I went five for seven, made some good passes, and, and played the way I should have been playing the whole game. And we wound up winning and going to the finals. So, um, you know, that, that's that's kind of what it's about. I mean, I, I remember that game more than any other game. I mean, you know, certainly I, I played well in some of the other games, made a couple of huge free throws in one of the playoff games against Washington and scored 30-something, 36 points or whatever it may have been and mm-hmm. and, and did some good things in, in my career and had the crazy average. And, and that's the thing. I'm so – I wish I could have been healthy. I played the entire series in 67 when I averaged over 40 points a game in a six-game series against that great 76er team. Mm-hmm. I had best, to get best team ever. Best team ever, in my opinion. A lot of people argue about it. But I, I, mm-hmm. I wonder what I could have done because they probably wouldn't do this today because the money that they're playing, guys, they wouldn't even allow me to do it. I had my ankle shot up before the game and at halftime, so I couldn't feel it and play with my ankle tape. I was so lucky that I didn't destroy my ankle and ruin my entire career. So I didn't shoot the ball well. I couldn't practice. And I missed in one game. I missed more free throws in one game than I ever missed in my entire life in any game. In fact, I almost missed as many as I missed in one entire season later in my career. And, you know, had, and, and in that game had, uh, had uh, 57 points. I would have had 60-some. I would have had the record for most in a NBA Finals if I made my free throws. But it was all because I had a really, really bad ankle. And so uh, – and that's disappointing because I think if I my ankle had been good, we might have been able to beat that 76er team. Um, wow. So anyway, I see I remember the negative things more than I remember the positive things. Mm-hmm. No, that's deep. And it, and it helps because you have to remember that to help you grow. You know what I mean? For sure. Well, you learn your mistakes in life. You should always you should, And that's the thing I tell young kids. You can never be you should never be afraid to make mistakes. You're not a perfect human being. You're going to make mistakes. The smart people, the intelligent people learn from their mistakes. You minimize your mistakes and you try to eliminate your mistakes, which helps to make you a better player and a better individual. And that goes not just for sports, that goes in life in general. Mm-hmm. No, that's that that's that's gospel for sure. And two two quick questions. Golden State Warriors next season. Are they championship contenders? Should people bet on them to win the title in 2022 with no, Clay Thompson no, no. and Weissman coming back? I'll make that quick. No, it all depends on what they what they do in the draft. And I, I don't think they are a team that's going to challenge for the championship unless they make some dramatic moves. And a okay. lot is predicated on how how good is Clay going to be when he comes back off of his injury. But they certainly will be a one of the better teams and be a playoff team. I would be shocked if they're not, if they stay healthy, depending upon the development of some of their other players and who they bring into the fold, they mm-hmm. could possibly become a playoff contending team. Okay. Last question and I got to go. Okay. Last question for sure. Tell us what you're up to. Tell us what you're up to. Like well, uh, I, can, I can do a whole hour show on what I'm doing. I'm doing more <laughs> things in my life. I'm involved in, in CBD with a, a company called Medicileaf. Here's the best thing I can say to do for people. Go to rickbarry24.com. It's not, it's not up right now, but I'm redoing my entire site and all. But if you go to rickbarry24.com, I will have all of the various things I'm involved with. There's some incredible opportunities to get discounts and learn about some amazing products, things that I highly recommend, and a lot of other information that will be on that site. rickbarry24.com. Check it out. It will be up and operating within the not-too-distant future. I wish you and all of your listeners, uh, God bless. Uh, Have a wonderful summer. And thank God for getting back to having some sense of a normal life. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Rick Barry on Fantasy Owl. Take care, everybody. Have a blessed one. See you all next time.
All right. Take care, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, sir. All right now. Bye-bye.